0: Thank you so much, Pastor Brandon. You make me sound so good. The check is in the mail, bro. For real. That's amazing. I want to be the guy he just described. That's incredible. Thank you so much for allowing me to serve you this morning and be a part of your gathering. I love you. I've been watching your pastor, stalking him online the last few weeks. And you know what I love about Pastor Ryan? He is all up in the Bible. It just drips out of him. I love his love for God and the Word of God. And so today I'm gonna try and do him justice. But I gotta warn you up front it's gonna, if he is the gift of Rice Krispies to the church, (laughs) then I am Cocoa Krispies. (laughs) So you need to get ready for the chocolate version, (laughs) okay? The chocolate version. Grab your Bible, grab your Bible with me and turn to Second Samuel chapter fifteen. 2 Samuel chapter fifteen, and I will uh, tell you up front that you are going to giggle today. You are going to laugh today, and you need to. The Bible says that laughter is good for you; that it's like medicine. So lean over to someone right now and say, "Take your medicine." Yes, you need to take your medicine. I love this. This is going to be so much fun. Um, by the way, as you walk out today, right outside the doors, we have a bunch of ministry material. And um, you can get um, our, our our most recent book, uh, Undefeated. It's available back there. It's our bestseller. It's, it's been incredible how God has blessed it and how it's encouraged people. And, and And I love this book the most, I think, because when I wrote it, my publisher said, you can write about anything you want, preacher. I said, really? Anything? They're like, anything. I go, oh, it's on now. And they said, well, what are you going to write about? I said, victory. Yeah. Victory. Victory is this. Whether you just started walking with Christ in your relationship with Jesus, or you've been living with Jesus for years and years and years, there's always areas and, and objects and situations in your life that need a closer examination. And this book is a very, it's, it's a fun and poignant look into where we are right now. And what's amazing is when we let God help us walk in victory, when you see people who knew the old you, they walk up and go, "Uh uh-uh, that is not the brother I knew in high school. That is not the sister I knew in junior high. And you're able to look back at them and say, I know, right? Look what God has done in my life. Furthermore, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan and we never win so I wanted to write about winning. So you can get this book. I I love it because when I released it, I was like, Jesus, please let somebody buy this book and they did. Our book shot up our publisher's bestsellers list. Get this, y'all. My book outsold Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen's books. Hey. That's right. For nine days. It's amazing. Well, I'll, I'll love to meet you out there in the lobby, and I'm gonna give you a slightly moist hug because I'm gonna be running and ripping. And I, I want you to know that, man, I love you, and God is madly and crazy in love with you. And I want to hug your neck, and I'll sign your book and all that. But you can also get our series I'm preaching out of today called the Aroma Series. And uh, man, it's go, I believe it's gonna challenge and encourage you. And you can get this; it's DVD and CD, two sermons. Let me open it up when I do. Go, ooh ah, go. Do it backwards. Do it frontward, but real big. I love all of you. Holy Spirit fingers to everybody, to everybody. Okay. But you can get this back there. What I, my favorite thing about this is that when um, you watch or listen, I give an opportunity for people to start a relationship with Jesus Christ on each sermon, each message. So if you have loved ones that don't know God, they can listen. In fact, put them in your car and lock the doors. Play the CD if you got a DVD, play it. And then they're going to get saved and and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you can take an offering for gas. That's right. We're going to work it out. Um, Finally, I have shirts out there, and I don't always have shirts. Um, All the stuff at our table goes to benefit our foster care program we run in Daytona Beach, Florida that does life skills training and discipleship and gives uh, aging out or coming of age. I like to use that better. Coming of age young people in the foster care system, we give them discipleship and life skills, and when they turn 18, we give them a car so they can go to college and get jobs. I love my job. Isn't that the best job ever? Oh, We do that in our free time, dude. What can you do in your free time? God will use your free time. And and it's so much fun. We've given away 130 cars in just seven years. And just think what God can do. So when you buy stuff, that's what helps. And so I made a shirt. I'm preaching all about this today. I'm preaching about you. It says, I'm God's favorite. How many of you know you're God's favorite? Raise your hand. Yes. Just yesterday, I was wearing this shirt. Uh, When when Pastor Brandon picked me up, I was wearing this shirt. And when I was stuck in Orlando, struggling, trying to get here, the devil tried to stop me, y'all Mm mm-hmm that's why I'm gonna kick him in this mm mm-hmm today his boo-boo this lady walked up and goes I like your shirt you are so handsome I was like thank you and I said let me tell you about the shirt she goes what I go think about this God loves you so much that there was an interstellar kickball game and he picked you to be on his team before you were even born I go that's how much he loves you and if I pray with you right now you can start your relationship your journey with Christ she goes I want that and so I prayed with her in the line waiting for my plane in the Orlando airport she gave her life to Christ and then I showed her the back of the shirt where it says so are you (laughs) so you can hook people up with the gospel I love sharing Jesus with a t-shirt so cool if you're ready for the word say let's go if you're not ready too late sucker. here we go 2 Samuel chapter 5, I shouldn't say suck it, just bad. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 14. This is an amazing scene where a messenger comes to King David, he's our central character, and tells King David, your son's trying to kill you, buddy, and steal your crown. Somebody say, that's messed up. Okay, so here we go. Messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are now with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, he says, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us, bring ruin on us, and put the whole city to the sword. Messed up. The king's officials answered him and said, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord our king chooses. So the king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. We'll talk about that when Pastor Ryan preaches. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him him, along with the Carathites and and, and the Pelathites and the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Let's skip down to verse 23. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. Zadok, that priest was there. And all the Levites who were with them were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were the carriers of the Ark. How many of y'all old enough to have watched Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, some of y'all, are like I don't know what that is. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant of God, so cool. God is so cool. In the First Testament of the Bible, from the very beginning, God's trying to help humans understand who he is. So he says this to the people. It's so cool. He goes, build a box. A box? Yeah, build a box. I'll put a representation of my presence in the box. And I want you to keep the box among you so that you'll know that I, your God, want to live among you and not just lord over you. So cool, a community God, man. He wants to be in community. I love that, that everything good happens in community. It's why we go to G101, right? We go to Generation 101 so that we can become a community. We're in life groups because that's community. Everything good, theology is done in community. Science is done in community. It's all done in community. Mm -hmm. And so God says, do that. And then Jesus in the New Testament comes along and goes, I can do one better. I'm not just going to live in a box. Mm -mm. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to be a part of your body and your life. Pastor said it just a couple weeks ago. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, when you come to faith in Jesus and start a Jesus journey, lives in you. Lean over to your neighbor and say, God in you is a good thing. This is so good. I like the Bible. Okay, so sorry. So they set down the ark, the box, and Abiathar offered sacrifices. Somebody say sacrifices. Until all the people had finished leaving the city. Father, I pray this morning that in the next 20 minutes you do something amazing among us. You transform us through the word. And I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody say amen. 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 Here we go. David the king is running for his life again. Mm -hmm. David was always in trouble, y'all. Whether it's facing off with the big old dude named Goliath, 9 foot 9 inches tall warrior trying to kill David, or it's King Saul, the former king who's a hater trying to throw a spear to kill David. Chasing him through the hillsides and the countrysides. David's hiding in thickets and hiding in caves and hiding. Now he's running from his own son. I don't know how messed up your family is. But this Game of Thrones, these people were tripping. So people that say the Bible doesn't understand us. Oh, trust me when I say there's enough drama in there for your mama, your aunt and your uncle. <laughs> David's running for his life from his own people. Now, what I didn't tell the first service and they didn't deserve to hear it. They think they're better than you. In fact, they told me they want to meet you in the parking lot next week. Mm-hmm. They're talking about you. Is that David had this amazing gifting, this propensity for walking through trouble and trials and not giving up, not quitting, not losing it. He would just maintain his composure. And I don't get it. I don't know how he did it, because when things happen to me, I want to lose my mind. How did David do it and how can we do it? How can we walk by faith when everything around us seems to be going wrong? Have you ever been depressed? Have you ever had sorrow that you couldn't control? Have you ever had financial difficulties that made you try to buy some lotto tickets? You know what I'm saying? You ever had things go so bad that you're, that you're like about to lose your mind? David is running for his very life and yet he never loses his composure. In fact, from what I can read in scripture, every time David seems to get in trouble, David would do the weirdest thing. David would sing. I know what you saw on Disney. Whistle while you work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but David was like singing while I run. It was weird. He just burst. You know, I, I've been studying the Bible for a long time. And here's what I learned. For me, my first 10 years reading the Bible, I just trying to figure out what was going on. Okay. Second 10 years I was reading the Bible, I started to put together the relationships like, oh, that's his uncle, you know. And then this last 10 years I've been reading the Bible, it's the little things I've been noticing. And there's always something new to gain. And one of the little things is the Bible's a musical. Did you know that? Things will happen in the Bible and people just burst out in song. You got little Mary, right? Jesus, mama before Jesus was born, she, she's just chilling at prayer meeting and all of a sudden God comes in with, through an angel and says, you're going to have a baby and his daddy is God. Y'all just sitting there like that's normal. <laughs> she, goes home from, she goes home to her parents, mom, dad, guess what happened in Bible study? I'm pregnant, who the baby daddy, who the baby daddy? God, <laughs> that's crazy. And when she gets this news, what does Mary do? She starts singing. What would I do? Ah! Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord. (laughs) Throughout the whole Bible, people just burst out in song. David is running for his life and he writes a psalm. He writes a song while he's running. make any sense. And every time David was in trouble, I can see David. He wrote a lot of the Psalms, the book of Psalms, a lot of the Psalms that worship God. And he had his own pentameter. So every time he wrote a song, he had this little ditty in it, you know, da, da, da. And everywhere he went, he'd be like, da, da, da. And people be like, this dude's crazy. Like his son is trying to kill him. He's over there singing da, da, da. What is wrong with him? He was singing himself to victory. See, the, the, the historic Jewish people believe this. They believe that when you sing your prayers, your prayers double. The effectiveness of your prayer doubles. Why? Because it's, it's, when you sing, you're putting everything you have into it. And you're saying to God, I'm going to sing my prayer. I'm not going to hold anything back. My creativity, all of it is yours. And I trust you with everything I have. Yeah. I got to hurry up. How did David do it? Two things and we're going to go to lunch. Okay, how did David go through all that stuff and never give up? Number one, David knew who he was. So here's our point. Know your identity. Lean over to your neighbor and say, know your identity. Know who you are, y'all. Here's the deal. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. That same word, wonderful, used to describe your creation is the word used to describe the Messiah when the minor prophets of the the First Testament said, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That same word was used to describe your body. You have incredible value to God. Look at your wife right now. Look at your girlfriend and say, girl, your body is a wonder. Body is a wonderland. Oh. You better say it. I'm trying to make church growth happen right now. You better listen. Shoo. Think about it like this. When I just study your Bible, I learn more about the Creator. You were made in the image of God, not just in his physical form, but with his physical functions. <laughs> He sees. He wants you to see. Even if you're seeing is through your hands touching pages. He hears. He wants you to hear. Even if it's through hand motions. He speaks. He wants you to speak. Even if it's written on a page. But the words have yet to emanate from your mouth. Because he's given us the gift of creating. Huh. Even with physical obstacles. Here's one that one sense that helps us understand our value to God and will allow us to endure troubles and trials and tribulations and not give up. Everybody lean over to your neighbor real quick and just sniff them. (laughs) I know it's weird. But did you know just that helps us understand who we are in God and the value you have to God? Think about it like this. You have the ability to to, to sniff and just in one second, you can break down the elements of complex chemical compounds to animate an oral understanding of its identity. You could just be sitting in church right now and just go, flour, yeast, olive oil, tiny bit of butter. What are you smelling? Bread. <laughs> one dude in the first service was like, donuts. I was like, I love you. <laughs> You're my dog. <laughs> That's faith. <laughs> and not only do you smell bread, but you can, you can pick off the bread just in one sniff. Wheat, rye, pumpernickel. <laughs> I just like saying that word, pumpernickel. You can sniff it out. You can tell if it's good bread or bad bread just by the shit sp- She done burnt up that bread. <laughs> Everything with one sniff. How does it work? We don't even usually know how it works unless you're a medical professional. But yet we struggle with God loving us. You were fearfully and wonderful. You were handcrafted by the creator, built with incredible ingenuity and genius. Wow. I I did some research. You have millions of, of receptors in your olfactory epithelium, over 450 different just types of receptors. These receptors send electrical signals to olfactory bulbs that extend sense to the piriform cortex and the thalamus. The piriform cortex identifies the smell. So you're just hanging out and you go, barbecue. It's a spiritual. <laughs> then the thalamus or the relay station extends that sense to three different places simultaneously. So amazingly sick. So the piriform cortex identifies the smell. The orbital frontal cortex then determines the taste or the pleasure of that smell. So you're like barbecue over the frontal cortex, good barbecue. Yeah, then the hippocampus draws a learned response to that aroma, so you're like, barbecue, good. And then the hippocampus, eat it, eat it now, okay? My hippocampus is talking to me all the time. Then the amygdala draws on the memory of that smell, okay? So you go, eat it and then 4th of July 2011 that's called a smemory okay Good memories and bad memories. This is important, okay? Good memory. You're walking through the mall. You smell perfume. Reminds you of a good situation, a good relationship. You're like, now I had the time of my life. You know what I'm saying? Or you walk through the mall and you smell the wrong memory, the wrong cologne, the wrong perfume. You're like, oh no! Now we've come to the end of the road. Susie! Y'all know what I'm talking about. Goods memories and bad memories. Did you know that God has memories? Did you know he has goods memories? Did you know that? In Genesis chapter 8, and I'll, I'll do this speedily. If you want my notes, just hit us up. We'll, we'll send it to you. Genesis chapter 8 is the story of a great man in the First Testament named Noah. Noah. Hmm? And he built this big boat called an ark because God said, listen, the whole earth is about to be ravaged by a flood and I want to save you and your family and I want you to save seven of every ceremonially clean animal and two of every ceremonially unclean animal. This is a a cultural thing, but it's important to note. And so he builds this huge ark, by the way, which holds 26 railroad cars of mass. And after the animals were loaded in, get this, there were still 14 cars left for food. And the dimensions of that ark are the same dimensions of lifeboats made today carried on cruise ships. Science, theology. Belong together. And it's so cool that when they come out of the ark and the flood is over, okay, he accepts out of the ark and the Bible says that Noah took some of the clean animals and clean birds. He built an altar. Somebody say an altar. This is important. He built an altar and he sacrificed these little animals on it. And the Bible says very clearly that God, so cool, smelled the aroma of the sacrifice and God said in his heart, so amazing, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. All of a sudden, God smells this obedience. He smells this servitude. He smells this solidarity and God loves it. And he goes, I'm never going to let this happen again. Rainbow ribbon in the sky for our love through a smell. Okay, you're like, I don't believe you, Alan, that that can't be it. Okay, Exodus chapter 30. God gives Moses, another great leader in the Bible. He gives Moses a recipe for what's called anointing oil. It's this oil that's ceremonially poured on prophets and priests and kings. And God says this, I want you to compound it with these four elements uh, according to the art of a perfumer. And then he says this, this is to be a holy anointing oil to me. Throughout all generations. And he says this, if you pour it on regular people, they are to be excommunicated. I went to Israel years ago and and it was so cool. And when I was in Israel, here's, here's what I discovered. I tried to gather the elements of the original anointing oil. No one would sell it to me. Muslim brothers and sisters would not sell it to me because they believe it's so sacred that it is not to be duplicated and poured on anyone. But a prophet, a priest and a king. And they believe that time is over. God had a sacred perfume for his servants, for his kings and his priests. What? Yeah, kind of like when you got married and your wife said, stop using that stanky aftershave. And she goes and buys you some cologne that she likes. That's what God is doing with his people. He says, I want to give you a signature aroma because you're my bride. I want you to smell good. So wear this. So cool. I'm not done. Jesus is born, remember? At Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth. And and it's so fun because Jesus is at his house and these wise men appear. We even sing about it at Christmas. We three kings of glory and (laughs) all. They show up from what we believe is Pakistan with their their camels loaded down with gifts. And out of their treasures, they present little boy Jesus gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Wow, two of the three gifts they gave little baby Jesus were smelly gifts, aroma gifts. And the most valuable gift they gave Jesus that day was not gold, it was myrrh. Myrrh was worth more than its own weight in gold yeah. at that time. Wow, yeah. not done, tabernacle. Okay, so we have this box, right? God says, I'm, I'm gonna let you have a, a representation of my presence in a box. And so they would build a tent and then later they'd build a building called a tabernacle where the box would be in the back. In the front would be the outer court where everybody hang out. And then the... In the middle would be the inner court where certain people could hang out. And then beyond a huge veil was the Holy of Holies where the box representing the presence of God was. It was a a, a stages of perfection or or stages of getting closer and closer to God. So cool. So the high priest would go to the outer court and grab a censer. That's an element used to hold incense. He'd go to the inner court and grab incense from the altar. And he'd go to the veil and stick the censer was hanging by a chain beyond the veil and wave it in front of the box because he refused to go into the presence of God without preparing the atmosphere with a smell. And that incense represented prayer, supplication, which means complete surrender, and intercession, prayer, intense prayer for others. Not just prayer with God, but prayer for others. Incredible. Aroma, 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 aroma. But there's more. Wait, there's more. For 1995. You're slow, but you're worth waiting for. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible's right, the the prophet, the, the apostle writes, the Ephesian people. And he says this, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering, remember the offering, and a sacrifice, remember the sacrifice, to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Wow. So in the New Testament, God is described as smelling Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. In the First Testament, you got these animals being sacrificed. And finally, as we get toward the end of the First Testament, God's like, I am so tired of you killing these animals. Eat them or leave them alone. And he sends his son, Jesus, to be a one-time sacrifice for all. And in the First Testament, the word used to describe the aroma was savory. In the New Testament, the aroma described Jesus' sacrifice was sweet. Why? Because of what was said at the beginning of this chapter. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. Look at your neighbor right now and say, children, children. Nothing smells better than a baby. Babies smell sweet, don't they? Oh, hold up, a clean baby. <laughs> Y'all catch me, Awatuki? A clean baby. Y'all stinky little poo-poo baby, uh-uh. But when it come out of that Johnson's baby wash and that baby shampoo, and you stick your nose on the little head, there's something about that aroma that drives me crazy. I just love baby smell. Man, I will walk up to your baby, not know you from Adam, and sniff your baby. It's weird. I can't control it. I just watch me. OK, that's why I live in church. It's the only place where strangers can hug you and you go, oh, that's nice. And they sniff your baby. and They're like, that's weird. But we're at church. It's OK. It's, it's just so interesting to me, but I did some research and the Smithsonian Institute did a 40 year study on the aroma of a baby and the effect it has on its parents. They discovered that the aroma of a baby has a decided effect on its parent, particularly the mother. And it's the same as, get this, eating a delicious meal, complete and total satisfaction in food or complete and total sexual satisfaction. That's why dads are like, I wish that baby would grow up now. Now. And you're like, Alan, I don't know if I believe you. Okay, hold on. If your wife has been so blessed or your husband's so blessed to stay home with your baby while the other works, when you come home, that spouse has been sitting at home with that baby and they look wore the mess out. And you're like, what have you been doing? Like They look toe up, right? You're like, what have you been doing? And they're like, I've just been here with the baby. <laughs> Do you know why? Because that baby owns them. That smell of that baby has turned them into, pardon my expression, a little crackhead. They've lost their mind because the minute you sniff your baby, you are a slave. That's what the Smithsonian Institute said. They said there's two responses to the aroma. Number one is bonding. You hug that baby, you kiss that baby, you snuggle that baby. Number two is service. You serve that baby, you do for that baby, you buy for that baby. And it's true because before you had your kids, you were normal. You bought things on a discount. But the minute that baby was born, you're going to Baby Gap, Baby Banana Republic. You're buying Baby Air Jordan sneakers for babies that can't even walk yet. (laughs) Something happens to us. Do you know that that's how your father sees you? That you're his baby, and every time he sees you, and every time he smells you, he goes, that's my baby, bonding and service, bonding and service, bonding and service. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. (laughs) Bonding for God so loved the world that he serviced, gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is what comes from you being his baby. And babies are weird. They run right into trouble, don't they? They have a death wish. If I could get in the brain of a baby, I would stop them, but you can't. Because the closer you get to them, the more they control you. It's amazing how that aroma works. Second Corinthians chapter two says this. Now, thanks be to God. I love this. Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. We always stop reading there. Keep reading. And through us, this is so good. Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? You might be sitting here right now and going, dude, I am not that close to God. I don't smell like Jesus. Are you kidding me? Yes, you do. The minute you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's something weird that happens to you. You become a supernatural, God-blessed baby. And everywhere you go, People smell Jesus on you. You'll be walking in the mall and you'll be like, why is this complete and total stranger at the cash register telling me all their problems? Do you know why? Because they smell victory on you. They smell the love of God on you. There's something about you that they can't resist. There's something about you that reminds them of what's been missing. The aroma of life, that means we build each other up with this beautiful aroma. The reason why I love hanging out with your pastor is because he's got the aroma of Christ on him. Hanging out with Pastor uh, uh, Brandon, the aroma of Christ is on him, y'all. And what happens is we hang out with each other and we do a community together. We do life group together. We start to expand that aroma. And then to the people who don't have a relationship with Christ yet, those who are far off, you know what happens? They go, Life is short. I need to do this. I need to do the right thing. I need to get my life together with God. I I want to get together with God. I I don't want to be far off anymore. It's a beautiful smell. Know who you are. You're his baby. Second and final point. Come on up here. Worship man. Make me sound spiritual. Second final point. First was remember who you are. Second one is this remember your history. Remember your training. Remember that God has never failed you before. So he'll never fail you in the future. I can tell you right now, God's never failed me, but people have. Shoot, everybody has. Everyone's failed. Even the Diamondbacks have failed us. But nobody's failed me more than my Miami Dolphins. But God never fails. He's allergic to failure. So when David was running for his life from his own son, he's walking around going, da-da-da. And people think he's crazy. What was he doing? What was going on? He was singing. Psalm 3. He literally wrote that while he was running for his life. Lord, he says, how are they increased to trouble me? Many are they who rise up against me. Da, da, da. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. You know God's with you when you sleep and your mind is racing. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who set themselves against me all around. He says this, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. I love the way he writes. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Mm. What blessing? Covenant. Covenant. What's a covenant? To simplify, it's a promise. See, Jesus giving of his life on the cross reestablished a covenant That God says, if you believe in him, you'll be saved. Saved from the failures of my life and saved into a relationship with God that will be with me forever. And my heaven is not just a place. My heaven is a person. His name is Jesus. I want to spend eternity after I die with the one person who loved me so much he died for me and couldn't resist me so much he rose from the dead to be with me. I want to be with him. So I I know this sounds simple, but if you're here in this room and and your life isn't going the way you want it to go, just repeat after me. Da-da-da. If you're in this room and your kids are crazy, repeat after me. Da-da-da. If you're in here and you don't have all the money you need to pay your bills, you're trusting God and you're living by faith. Somebody say da-da-da. If your husband or your wife needs a miracle of any kind, somebody say da-da-da. Remember who you are. Remember you're his baby. And there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. He would cross oceans for you. He would do miracles for you. He will transcend dimensions for you. There's nothing he wouldn't do. Remember that you will never fail. Because he always leads us to triumph. Babies never fail. Babies never lose. You know why? Because they got someone to advocate for them. They've got a parent, if they're blessed, that will take care of them. They have someone who loves them. That's why the Bible says he always causes us to triumph. Because we're his baby. But Don't lose your song. Don't forget. That's why I love music so much, homie. Because I use music to remind me, to remind me that God is not going to leave me. He's not going to trip out and dog me out. He's going to stick by me. So I sing about it. You know why I sing about it? Because there's something about a song that fixes it in my memory and I never forget. I'm reminded and reminded and reminded and reminded by a song. I guess it is twice as effective as words because something happens when I sing. I remember things. Da-da-da. I could see David sitting in a corner. Everyone's going, dude, your son's trying to kill you, bro. What are you going to do? David, da da da. You're nuts, David. Shut up, fool. That's in the ghetto international version. And he says, hey, man, remember, bro, remember, we're going to win. How can you say that now? Walking around these walls, da-da-da. I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Hmm. It reminds me, I've been waiting. For what, Alan? Waiting for change to come knowing the battles won for you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Oh, you're promising. Your promise still stands. Great is our faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. yeah, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed us yet. Just close your eyes for a minute. Maybe you're here right now and you're going, Alan, I, I need to know. I need Jesus in my situation and I need to know that he's there I need help I'm going through a difficult time I need help will you pray for me yes I will that's why I'm here I came over 2,000 miles on a crazy airline to talk to you and to pray for you about what you're facing if that's you when when I count to three you don't have to do anything crazy just wave at me so I know who to pray for ready one two three wave right now yeah I'm praying for you 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 I'm gonna hug the mess out of you I'm praying for you I'm praying for you Maybe you're here right now and you go, Alan, how do I start this relationship with God? How do I begin this thing? Ooh, this is my favorite part. It's a simple prayer. The Bible says, believe and then confess. Speak with our mouth. So cool. He makes it simple, not easy, but simple to live for him. So take your right hand. I like to do this. Put it over your heart. We're going to pray together like a family. And I'm going to pray for you as well. For those that are going through a difficult season. That you'll be even more aware of his presence. More aware that he is working behind the scenes on your behalf. How do I know? I know who I am and I know who you are. How do I know? I know your history and I know my history. Guess what? David walked out of the city in defeat. 40 days later he walked back into the city in complete and total victory. His enemies were defeated and he walked back in and reigned as the king without anybody being able to stop him. This dude was bad. You know why? He trusted in the Lord. You're a bad girl. You're a bad man if you trust in the Lord. Say this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, say, hey Jesus, I need you. I know you can forgive me for everything I've done. So I give my life to you, my past, present, and future. I'm all yours, please forgive me. Make me a new person with a new life, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room. I pray for those that are going through difficult cycles and seasons, those who today are worried and concerned about so many things, that Lord, you'd be with us. Lord, I thank you that you'll never leave us, you'll never turn your back on us, that you care for us, because we're your baby. And Lord, I pray that you'd make yourself, make us more even aware of your presence. Lord, allow us to be more sensitive to the reality that you are fighting for us and working on our behalf. Father, I pray that you touch marriages and bring resolution and restoration and unity. You would touch finances and bring breakthrough and financial increase so that we can be a blessing to others. Father, I pray that you would bless our our families and unify them and bring peace to our homes and our community in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen.